Greetings, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. I am your TV necromancer, TV's Noah Houlihan, and we are here tonight to exhume the body that Laura didn't want to watch. This is a podcast about shows that ran one season or less. And today, we continue down the blood drive! Thank you so much for joining me here for part two on a special Friday edition. Uh, We're trying something new with the release schedule. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this. Uh, So let's jump in and let's pour one out. What do you got there, Noah? Well, Noah, I have some splooge. It's uh, it's some rum chata. It's a shot of rum chata that I put blue food coloring in. I could have put blue curacao in it, but I was like, is there something bad about cream and orange? I know cream and lemon is bad, but I was just going to play it safe. So now, down the hatch with my splooge. Mmm. That'll make sense as we get into episode five. So we're going to do episodes five, six, and seven. Uh, Hopefully the next episode will be a big, long one that will have everything. But we'll see how time treats me in this next couple of days. So episode five of Blood Drive, uh, we are we are now at the point where we know that Grace is looking for her daughter, Karma. Her daughter, no, her sister. Her sister, Karma, who she checked into a mental institution when she got addicted to Red Rapture. But she has been transferred out of it, and now she doesn't know where Karma is. She's joined by her partner, Arthur, also known as Barbie. And they are on this race together where the cars run on human blood. I'm just checking in case somebody decided to listen to this episode first, which would be a weird choice on your part. We also have Christopher, who is kidnapped by Aki, having his fluids harvested and trying to get brainwashed by Heart Enterprises, who seems to own pretty much everything. And Slink, Jeremiah Slink is, or I'm sorry, Julian Slink is in charge of the blood drive at this time. So it is now time for the effing dead. Once again, language will be rougher in this episode. Just be aware. We open on a 1960s sitcom, The Slinks. Uh, Slink gets home and greets his wife and discovers that there are condoms under his son's bed. So... He's got to have a little chit-chat with his old boy, because that's a bit alarming. And uh, just as they are about to have kind of a conversation about it, they're eaten by zombies. Uh, Slink is not. Slink makes himself a little cocktail. Uh, But his wife and son are eaten by zombies. So then we cut to present day where a smiling slink is tied up by Grace, who is beating the holy hell out of him. Uh, So, basically, we know that Slink had something to do with the hospital where Karma was. So, we're trying to beat an answer out of him, but he's a bit of a sadist. Uh, We learned that from the drill episode uh, previously, so... Yeah, it's, uh, it's not going very, very well at this point. They're just kind of wasting their energy as they beat up this, this man. Uh, 
Slink says he wears many hats while he is currently wearing a hat, and it's a bit of a joke. So as they're beating up Slink, the Mayhem Party is getting a bit restless that Slink has not appeared yet. They're so used to the god of the stage entertaining them, and he is currently indisposed, so they're getting a bit restless. And we see up on, like, not so much a balcony, but like a scaffold that's there, these two wholesome-looking uh, individuals. There's a, a brother and sister, we will learn. And they're kind of dressed, uh, I wouldn't say quite 1950s, but, you know, in invoking 1950s. Uh, a 90s parody of the 1950s. They're 1950s bounding. Uh, they are looking for Slink. So at this time, they're actually unknowingly protecting Slink from this brother-sister duo. We check in on Christopher. Uh, Aki is no longer in her black dominatrix gear and is in more of a wholesome white gear uh, that is still very revealing. In this moment, Aki acts a little bit differently than we've been used to, to the point where I thought this might be a different Aki bot, but I don't think that is the case uh, based on what happened here. Uh, and she explains that the harvesting process is over and Christopher is ready to go to work for Hard Enterprises and has been upgraded. They've removed the bandage that has been on Christopher's eye the whole time to find a robot eye. Now he's more robot. Ooh. Christopher screams and Aki just screams along in like a playful way, which was used in the trailer a lot. <laughs> he's screaming out of terror and she's screaming like she's at a concert. <laughs> It's just a fun moment. Slink tries to explain, as he's tied up to this chair, that we are the normal now. Everyone is a psychopath. This world is ruined. You won't find anything good on this planet. Arthur points to himself. Slink kind of rolls his eyes. And then he also mentions his buddy, Christopher, who is now part robot. And together, they're going to take down Hart. Slink kind of finds this to be silly. Uh, Arthur realizes that things are getting a bit restless out there. And has to do something to, to satiate these, these psychopaths. So he just puts on Slink's gear and goes out there to be Slink. Of course, the brother and sister then see this and are like, oh, there's Slink. And now they're planning to kill Arthur. In a wonderful bit of character work, the brother has one of those paper uh, fortune tellers. You know, the thing where it's like, pick a number. One, two, three, four, pick a color. Ah, you're a loser. One of those. So he has one of those and... He's asking if it is okay to kill. And the answer the fortune teller gets is if it's for love. So they decide in a very uh, ominous 
uh, moment to say that they are going to give them the kiss and let the virus do their job. With this, the brother-sister duo start making out with random psychopaths. And when they do, there's a blue glow that seems to radiate off of them. Suspicious. We cut back to Christopher and Aki, where uh, Christopher is free to go whenever he wants, as soon as he pays Hart back through labor for his eye which will take about a million years. So that sucks for, for poor Christopher, who is like a janitor for now for Hart. All this just to make him a janitor. <laughs> it's a bummer. We cut back to, because these are the three main things that are happening all, right now are outside with, with Arthur being Slink, what's going on back at Hart with Christopher, and what's going on with Grace and Slink in the back tent where she's torturing him. Uh, Grace punches Slink in the crotch, and it makes like a metal noise. <laughs> and she looks at Slink and says, what are you? Slink responds, I exist for one reason, which is confusing because moments ago, he mentioned that he wears many hats. So I just, I, th I felt like the writing, this is probably me overanalyzing things. I felt like the writing was contradicting himself. In this moment, because Slink is supposed to be someone who has wears many hats and does many things, but here is saying was made for one reason, or exists for one reason. Meanwhile, in one of my favorite moments, Arthur is trying to entertain everybody. So he's telling jokes, and he tells one of my favorite jokes of all time. Two muffins are sitting in an oven. One muffin says to the other muffin, it's getting hot in here. And that muffin turns to the other muffin and says, oh my, oh my God, a talking muffin. One of my favorite jokes of all time. <laughs> so Arthur tells this for a bunch of insane psychopaths who don't care for it. So he decides, I'm going to start some fights. Everybody wants to fight the cop. So he's just having these brawls with anyone that, like, comes up to him. And as this is happening, people are kissing and getting this weird blue goo. Uh, they <laughs> reveal in, like, this graphic that pops up that this is the Dionysus strain, which I really like that they called it this. Dionysus is, of course, the Greek god of wine and sex. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Hades. I just finished it. But also, I remember being taught this in school. And I, I love Dionysus. He's the man. Sacrifice a goat to him. He'll give you wine. So they call it the Dionysus Strand. And they say that in stage one of the Dionysus Strand, you have euphoric abandonment. And you see all these people going on to the suck bus. It is a huge bus. And on the side, it says, suck bus, $2.99 a minute. This, to me, is a huge missed opportunity. Why would you call it the suck bus? When its purpose is, this is where all the really, really horny people who have this virus are going to just bang each other? 
why wouldn't you call it the suck you bus? The suck you bus. I just think with the word Dionysus out there, I think the word suck you bus would have fit so much nicer than suck bus. And I bring it up because when I first saw it, I went, oh, it's the suck you bus. That's really clever. And then in another shot, I realized it was just suck bus. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> so this comes from a place of disappointment that they didn't call it the suck you bus. Watching all of this mayhem is our new brother and sister team. And <laughs> this is an amazing moment. There's this tension between this brother and sister team. And they actually like almost kiss. And then they're like, oh, look at all the, the mayhem that's going on around us. And <laughs> the brother takes out his fortune teller thing and is like, will I ever find love? And the fortune teller thing says, yes, you will. And then he asks, how will I know she's the one? And the fortune teller thing says, she'll be your sister. This is so good for so many reasons. Because one, <laughs> it's hilarious, just out the gate. Two, you know... He made this himself. <laughs> so, like, when he's asking it questions, he knows how to get the fortune teller to give him the answers that he wants. And it's a great bit of storytelling for him to basically know that having feelings for your sister is wrong. But... To put his faith into this random chance fortune teller that he's rigged, that even though he knows he, it is wrong, he can then point at and be like, no, it's because of the fortune teller. This adds so much dimension to this character in just a few moments. The show is so well written. Like, I know on its surface it looks like, especially because this is the sex episode, like everyone's just naked and banging, and I'm sitting here like, oh my God, the nuanced writing. But oh my God, the nuanced writing in Blood Drive is so freaking good. <sighs> anyway, Arthur stage dives and then punches an old lady. <laughs> Arthur's just fighting everyone. He ends up accidentally <laughs> punching an old lady. The old lady sits up, spits out blood, and gives like a rah. <laughs> Arthur holds the walker over his head, and everyone's into it. So he's able to entertain them the way Slink would by just starting these fights. And he's the man. He's like, he's a great fighter. No one can take him down. Now, meanwhile, back into this room... Uh, just real briefly, this argument is continuing between Grace and Slink. Slink has gotten the cuffs off, but Grace doesn't know. And he's just sitting there taking this, even though he can now just move around freely. But he's not doing anything. He's just sitting there taking these huge uh, jabs from Grace. 
Uh, we then see Chris at his new job. I know I said he was a janitor. I got confused. He's in the mailroom. <laughs> so he's got to work his way. They, they kidnapped him. They tortured him. They took all of his fluids, but he still has to work his way up the corporate ladder. He is in the mailroom. So he's going to work so that he can... Uh, work off this eye. And of course, he is still trying to get more information. Just remember that as we move forward. The fighting's continuing. Grace is continuing to yell. Slink is still taking the abuse. And then all of a sudden, Slink stops and says, wait a minute. I don't hear the crowd anymore. He looks out, and the crowd is gone. Arthur's still, like, fighting people. But suddenly nobody wants to fight him anymore. Everybody is on the suck bus. We are now entering stage two of the Dionysus strain. The bluge. (laughs) The nuanced writing, though, of... Blood Drive is amazing. But like I was saying, uh, stage two is the bluge, which is everybody's coming blue. It's a, it's a Smurf orgy. I think those are their words, not mine. I'm not clever. <laughs> Slink is able to figure out what's going on here. And is like, oh my God, this is the Dionysus strain. I need you two, you and Arthur, to get the antidote because... We were close to having the antidote created in a lab down the road from here. I need you guys to go, and I promise you if you do this, I'll help you find karma. Scouts aren't honor. And when he says scouts honor, it's the first time he moves his hand to show that he hasn't been handcuffed this whole time. So that's a great way, again, nuanced, of just being like, of showing grace like, I'm being honest with you right now because... The truth is, I let you beat me up just now. I could have left at any time. (laughs) But I didn't attack you. I let you get your aggression out. But right now, I need this favor. It's so good. Arthur then gets kissed. So now he has this Dionysus strain in him. So he can't focus, and he keeps trying to make out with Grace. So anytime he loses focus, Grace kicks him in the nads. And when his balls are destroyed, (laughs) he's not horny anymore. I guess that's just not his thing. So (laughs) the rest of this is them trying to get to this facility to find the antidote. With Grace just punching him in the crotch all the time. We then get some very interesting moments here with Christopher. Christopher, while he's going through the the mailroom, there's people on the phones. And you hear on the phones things like, it's a sex zombie, but where's all the nudity? So they're actively getting more notes in as this is going on. Somebody picks up the phone and says, that's it. The blood drive is officially getting picked up to be on the air. This is great. Uh, I'm going to take this information to the Hall of Secrets. And then he just does cocaine. (laughs) 
He then, Christopher also uses the power of his eye to see what's going on with Christopher, with what's going on with Arthur. So now, because of his eye, he also has a direct link to what's going on with Arthur. Even though Arthur can't like communicate, like they don't, they can't communicate back and forth. It's a one-way vision, but that's an important link that they now have. Uh, of course, Christopher's now going to go try to get into that Hall of Secrets. When he goes to scan in, he can't get in because he is a lowly male boy. Access denied. Access will only be granted to the CEO, the vice president, security guard, or the primo. Now, what we're supposed to take out of this that's important is security guard. Because this is what Christopher is going to eventually try to do, is become a security guard so he can get into the Hall of Secrets and learn more about the blood drive. But the fact that Primo is a title in Heart Enterprises, again, creates that confusing narrative that I don't quite understand yet in the show of if this is an underground race that is a secret, how is the Primo title something that someone is so aware of? Keep that in mind. They make it to the facility, Arthur and Grace do, and they're at Atlas Bottling. And let me tell you, I stared at Atlas Bottling for a long time, trying to figure out why it is called Atlas Bottling. Atlas is, of course, the man who has to hold the world up. So I could take it that the whole world is riding on their shoulders right now, because if they don't have a cure to the Dionysus strain, everything kind of falls apart. But I'm really tying everything together because at this part when I wrote that note, I still thought it said succubus. And I thought we were doing a whole Greek like monster thing. So I really want there to be a reason why this is Atlas bottling. But I don't have a, a good reason. While they are at the bottling, uh, the brother and sister team find Slink. And man, do they want to kill Slink. So the sister kisses him, and he says, I'm immune, just like you. So again, we're getting more clues that Slink might not be human. Uh, Arthur is on his own as he searches for these reels that will explain what the antidote is. Uh, He has to punch himself in the crotch a few times as he uh, is going through this, and (laughs) so he can stay focused. And he finds a bunch of dead bunnies. And for some reason, they get a title card. Dead bunnies. He then finds a piece of paper that they show very clearly on on screen that the Cure Inquest reel is reel number 69, which is, of course, a very funny joke. Nice. However, even though they show that on screen, Arthur goes, ah, Real 2.45. And then he grabs something that says Real 2.45 and he puts that in. I don't know if that was a mistake, (laughs) but it's very clearly said on the paper Real 69. I don't know what happened here. We get a weird doctor who's explaining on this reel-to-reel film footage that he has discovered the cure for the Dionysus strain. He has these two bunnies. He says something very interesting happens when related bunnies with the strain are introduced to each other. And these two bunnies 
uh, have sex and excrete an orange splooge, which is the cure. Arthur looks to camera and says, you gotta be shitting me. Like down the lens, like this is the first time we've ever had this direct, like fourth wall breaking moment. And it's weird that it's given to Arthur in this moment and not to like a slink or an Aki who are clearly like more aware of things than Arthur is that it just, it seems weird. It felt weird. It's very funny, but it just felt odd in that moment. So luckily slink has been locked into a trunk and is being brought by the brother-sister team to the same bottling facility. So now they're all in the same place. And now Arthur knows a brother and sister that they can make bone. Uh, Slink explains to them, and this is, this is an interesting little moment that I'm going to talk about for a sec. He says something along the lines of, you have to actually want to screw for this Dionysus stream to have an effect on you. So that would explain why Slink is immune. Because he might not have genitalia based on how Grace punched him and it was a metal sound. He might, I'm not sure if he's a robot or anything like that, but it, that would make sense. But when he says this to the brother-sister team, they kind of have their eyes dart to one another and then back. And it's it's kind of good chess, I believe, from Slink. Because I believe what's happening in this moment is basically Slink is playing a mind game saying there's something wrong with you too. Because you don't want to have sex. There's something wrong with you. And in their minds, they know something's wrong with them too because they have feelings for each other. So it's a night because the the way that their eyes look at each other when they hear like something's wrong with you, they look at each other. It's again, great nuanced writing. There is also the theory that since these two are immune and we now know that the cure is basically copulating with a sibling that perhaps these two have already gotten a little bit too intimate and that was just their way of implying it without giving the game away quite yet so it's just another possible theory for this moment arthur tells uh, grace you have to make him screw while a the legions of uh sex zombies have found them uh, they're trying to push their way through a door, but Arthur is holding it closed for Grace. He screams, they're coming, they're coming. One of the zombies reaches in and grabs uh, Arthur by the crotch, and he yells, coming, coming. We are now in stage three of uh, the Dionysus strain. Fuck to death. It's quite the way to go. So we're, we're at the apex here. We got tons of sex zombies. Arthur is among them. We got to make these brother and sister team screw each other. Grace has to make this work so she can get the information from Slink about her sister. And Slink's the only one that knows where it is, but the brother, sister, and team are planning to kill Slink, and it's time to check in on Christopher. Uh, Christopher asks uh, Aki for a promotion. 
Aki says, sure, your promotion meeting is in the year 2186. Christopher asks if there's any way that they can speed this process up and kind of does some flirty stuff. Aki unzips Christopher's pants and says, The nuanced, subtle writing of Blood Drive. It's incredible. So Grace comes in to find uh, Slink being thrown into a larger blood engine, basically. He's got his feet up against the sides, stopping any damage from being done, but there's only so much he can do. So Grace, like basically teases the the sister character and is like, don't you want to just give in? Isn't it hard to always fight your urges? And she's very, very close to her mouth and it's very steamy and the brother and sister just can't take it anymore and they make out. And as they're making out, Slink is able to uh, get away. Orange goo comes everywhere. And they're thrown into said blood engine, <laughs> thus spraying orange goo everywhere and curing all the zombies that are running in at that moment. Whew. Also, Sexy Wheels on the Bus is playing. I think that's a very odd choice. I also didn't know Sexy Wheels on the Bus could be a thing. But it's a thing. With everyone saved... Once again, the day is saved, thanks to the incest couple. We have a final scene between Slink and uh, Arthur and Grace, where Arthur basically confronts Slink about the machine they were standing in front of. Apparently, it is a soul reclamator, and he demands to know what a soul reclamator is. Instead of doing that, Slink has said that he'll hold up his end of the deal and give Grace what she wants. He has put in a detour in the blood drive, and the detour will take them right past, will take them right past where karma is. Uh, So that is our setup for the next episode. We're going on a detour where the blood drive has never gone before. And with luck, Grace will find her sister. But just then, the man in white opens a blood gate. And Slink looks at it and looks back and says, You do exactly what they asked and they still have more goddamn notes. And with that, he enters the blood gate and the episode ends. And that is episode five. So that brings us to episode six, Booby Traps. Again, that wonderful, subtle writing of Blood Drive. We start with basically a recap out of uh, Grace and Arthur to the point where they actually say solid exposition. So they're just kind of like recapping all the stuff that had gone down. I guess they were worried that they were getting new... Uh, viewers, and they wanted to make sure everybody was on board with what was happening. And then a very interesting thing happens. Slink announced 
that for the first time they will be going through the Savage Land. This is, of course, to help Grace. However, the Savage Land is very bright. Like, there's a lot of, like, bright sand and bright colors. And also, the heavy metal music is gone. And it's more kind of, like, poppy. The moment that Slink is called away and is no longer there to lead the race and is brought into this meeting about notes, the show looks like a different show. And I think that is beautifully done. Instead of uh, our usual route, we get get Bad Reputation by Joan Jett, which I guess is still kind of like a good rock song, but like it's definitely a little bit lighter than it's been. (laughs) Lighter. Because it's brighter now. That was good. We have them driving furiously through the desert of the Savage Lands. And there's been an announcement made. There is now no brakes on your car. If you Well, there are brakes. If you even touch your brakes, your car shuts down for 10 minutes. So there is a a reason to never touch your brakes. I, I guess, like, from a reality show point of view, you're now in this situation where everyone's trying to go fast. It might be more beneficial not to be going super fast because you have no way to slow down if need be. It's It's fun from a reality show, like, gameplay point of view, which I enjoy. Uh... We also get our lovely couple again. Uh, Cliff and Dami are back, and now they're talking about how they're, they've lost that spark because they've started to kill alone. It's basically this idea of killing is kind of like sex, it is like the, the analogy for sex in this. And it's no, they no longer have that connection because they're not doing it anymore. They're no longer killing people together. It's fun. I like it. Uh, we cut back to Chris and Aki, Christopher and Aki. They they have the sex together. Sex has happened. And now he's a security guard. And I want to bring this up because it's a very interesting detail. Now that Chris is a security guard, he has a new jacket that kind of like delineates him as a security guard instead of just a mailroom guy. The jacket looks like Roman Reigns' jacket. So this would imply that it is the same type of jacket that Ribbone was wearing. So this implies that at some point, Ribbone was actually a security guard at Hart Enterprises. Little details like that I appreciate. I think that's interesting to think about. Now that he's a security guard, though... Christopher knows he can get into the Hall of Secrets, which is his main goal, because he still wants to take down Heart Industries. That's still his goal, to to meet back up with his buddy Arthur, and they will take down the belly of the beast. So he tells Aki that he's going to be home late. Aki gets very upset by this and says this is unacceptable. Christopher says that you need to understand. And then we see through Aki's eyes... And she's choosing between kill, maim, castrate, and yes, dear. She goes with yes, dear. But she's clearly very upset by this development. 
back on the race, our racers are being attacked by a barbarian horde. Uh, we have a new group of racers. I mean, we've already lost some racers. We've lost Ribbone. We've lost Clown Dick. So we need to introduce some new characters. And there's like a robot man. He's like a silver painted man. When I say robot man, I mean like the one that like a living statue that you give a dollar to and then he does a thing. And he looks like that. And he's sitting there going, because he's a robot, I guess. Uh, don't worry about him, though, because he's going to explode in a moment. But the explosion uh, splatters blood all over Grace's windshield, so she can't see. But Arthur kind of can. So he's looking out the window, and he's barking directions at Grace as they slalom through the desert. And then he sees a truck crashed in the middle of the road. And Grace can't see it. And Arthur's like, we got to slow down. So she takes her foot off the gas. And Arthur's like, more. We have to slow down like a lot. And she's like, just guide me around it. It's like, there's nowhere to go. So Arthur takes his foot and stomps on the brake, shutting down the car for 10 minutes. They roll down the window. And Grace says, we just got wildy coyotied. And pushes on the truck, and it is a cardboard facade of a tr crashed truck. And Arthur goes, meep, meep. Which is weird. Like, I get the reference. Don't, don't, don't think that I don't get the reference. But you had the robot guy making noise, and he was also saying meep, meep. So I don't know if there's supposed to be some sort of through line with this Roadrunner thing. But I feel like you could have just had the robot guy saying bloop, bloop, and it would have made this more impactful. Just a, a little bit of a nitpick from me. I'm going to go investigate a noise. So we believe that Grace and Arthur are being kidnapped by these barbarians. And this is where we cut back to Christopher, who is able to get into the Hall of Secrets, but can't get much further beyond the Hall of Secrets. And the Hall of Secrets is like this weird cube room where there are doors in all directions. Doors on the floor, doors on the ceiling, and uh, it's kind of like the the cube from the, the Bye 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 video in that like you can take a step and then you're on the wall and now the wall is the floor. That type of thing. And as he's there, he runs into Slink, who is arriving for his meeting. And Christopher recognizes him from seeing stuff through his eye and tries to interrogate Slink, and Slink's like, I'm sorry, but if you'd like a signed photo, you'll have to send a self-addressed stamped envelope to 555555555. So this is implying a couple weird things. I, I want to bring up this particular moment. 555 is, of course, the fake phone number uh, area code that TV shows and movies use so that you can say a phone number without giving out an actual phone number. Uh, there was, like, an issue uh, a while ago with the film uh, Bruce Almighty where his beeper number was, like, God's beeper number was 777-7777. Uh, turns out that's an active phone number. 
you'd think it wouldn't be because it's a bunch of sevens. Uh, so in like later releases, like on DVD and when it airs on television, I believe it's like five 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 seven 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 is the the number that pops up on the beeper. Um, remember beepers. Uh, so the fact that Slink says this implies, again, an awareness that he knows that this is a television show. We're going to get more of that in a little bit later. And it should be noted that there actually was a blood drive phone number. I haven't had a chance to call it. I doubt it's still in service. But there was a phone number you could call to complain about the content of blood drive, which I think is a beautiful idea for this insane grindhouse show that is about television interference and, like, executives, like, giving in to complaints. Love that. Uh, Christopher waits for someone else to, to enter and kind of stands there. He's like, go about your day being a security guard. And then he makes sure he slips his hand in so he can pop in this door that he doesn't have access to. Uh, when he does, he doesn't find anything in there. It's like just walls. He's almost like trapped in a cell of sorts. And he's like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Aki is watching through his eye and sees that he's, you know, disobeying orders and in a restricted area. So she punishes him by making him throw up. And he throws up like blue and orange. Like He, he, he pukes pretty colors. And they do this weird thing where whenever they go to commercial throughout this show, they go to commercial by making it look like the camera feed's getting cut. It's like, and then it cuts to black. They do this here, and then they just come back and show him throwing up a bit more, and then they cut to black. And then they come back again, and he just throws up a little bit more, and then they leave. Kind of like they knew that watching him throw up was horrible. So there's this moment of just like, oh, thank God we're going to commercial. Oh, no, it's more. Oh, all right. At least now we're going. Oh, no, there's more. Uh, apologies to whatever ad had to play after that. Just throwing up black, throwing up black, throwing up black. Folgers coffee. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. <laughs> in any case... Uh, we then see what's happening to our racers. Uh, the couple, uh, Dom and Cliff, uh, they're having a bit of a spat. And they're talking about, you know, killing with other people and... Or not so much killing other people, but killing alone. And Domi brings up the idea of, do you ever think about being married to someone else? And Cliff says, no. And Domi just kind of like looks away. And it gets very uncomfortable, and they hit the brakes. So they, too, have their car shut down and are being captured by the barbarians. Who are these barbarians? Well, we see the barbarians taking Arthur and Grace to the Wet Canyon Spa and Resort, which is a vagina joke. But it is basically a spa. They separate Arthur and uh, Grace Grace is taken to basically a spa. Uh, Arthur is locked in a cage with another guy, and it's his man cage. Like, he's given beer, and he can watch sports, and his entire purpose, being locked in this cage, 
is to have his sperm taken because it's the one thing that women can't do without men. So his entire life is drinking beer, watching TV, and then basically being milked like a cow. (laughs) And he's a dude, bro. He's just like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. High five. Arthur's like, I don't think this is awesome, but I like beer. So he's having beers with this guy. And uh, they throw in Cliff. Cliff from the couple is also thrown into a cage, but they don't give him any beer. I don't know why. They just don't. They leave him like locked in a separate cell and don't let him in the man cage where they can watch TV. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Grace is getting a spa treatment. They tie her up because she doesn't want to be there. (laughs) So she's like tied to a massage chair. Uh, And the leader of these Amazons, because basically it's, it's a a playoff of the Amazons is like, don't you want to stay here? Here is wonderful. Every person is free. And Grace goes, what about him? And it's just like a dirty slave boy giving a pedicure and she goes like i said every person is free so here men are not people gotcha uh grace tries to explain that she needs to leave like that it seems like a nice place but she has to leave because she has to find her sister karma and when she says the name karma the eyes of the leader of the Amazons light up a bit. She goes, you knew Karma? That's my sister. Karma was here. So we now know that Karma was here at some point. So once again, we're in this situation where they were looking for Karma, they found a place where she was, but now she's gone. Oh no, just like the asylum. Uh, Then we have a very important scene. Slink is getting more notes. The notes include uh, things like the characters are uncool. They need to be wearing sunglasses, which may be why it's suddenly so bright. Like the show made it bright so the characters would be like, gosh, it's bright. I wish I had sunglasses. Thought that was very, very interesting. And Slink's not having any of it. Slink is just like, yes, please tell me how my show works. And uh, they're, they're not happy with Slink's uh, performance. Uh, he submitted a report with 15 typos. And he says, that's not, that's not possible. And they respond, we have, a, or it is mandated that we use the Oxford comma, which I love this as a, as a concept, that this is so corporate that they're like, yeah, we use the Oxford comma here. And if you don't use it, it's wrong, even though it is optional. Love it. Then, in complete surprise, they reveal who the man in white is. We lose the Dr. Claw look, and it's just a guy. Like, I felt like with the pink nail polish, they were kind of hinting this might be karma, or the the man in white might be a woman, uh, or that the man in white would at least be someone we knew. But it's just a guy. (laughs) And he explains, uh, you've lost control of the race, we don't need you anymore. The show will go live on television without you. 
and he has he calls to have Slink killed, but he learns that due to a holding agreement, they can't kill Slink. Uh, we cut back to Grace, and Grace is led into a room, and there is a shrine to Karma. There's like this big totem pole, and she's like the top, she's like the eagle part of the totem pole. And there's all these pictures of Karma around, and there had been a great battle, and Karma had died. So now, nothing matters anymore to Grace. And Grace, of course, takes responsibility for this. If she hadn't uh, taken Karma to the club, she wouldn't have gotten hooked on Red. She's the one who signed her up for the asylum. Like, she takes this very, very hard, understandably. She's so broken up, but there's this kind of, like, almost competition that, yes, Grace is Karma's sister, but the leader of the Amazon was clearly Karma's lover. So there's almost like this, like, I knew her better than you thing that goes on here. Arthur gets away because he's a super cop. He's able to get away. But Cliff is still in his cage. So he takes his wedding ring and he starts banging on the metal to send Morse code to his wife, just hoping she hears it. And she is getting her, her mani-pedi. And she hears it, and Cliff leaves the message, please come get me. They're going to kill me. If I'm going to be die, if I'm going to die, it should be done by you. And Dami's heart is all aflutter at the thought of killing her husband. That she just goes on a violent rampage and just starts killing. Everybody. Uh, Arthur is captured by the Amazons and they tie him up and they're going to rip his arms and legs off with forerunners. And uh, Arthur yells, uh, oh, Why are hot girls always so mean? Which is just funny. So this leads to a bit of a face-off between the leader of the Amazons and Grace. Arthur's tied up. Grace is devastated. Uh, the leader of the Amazons is upset that Arthur's even here. And they have a fight, but Grace doesn't fight back. It's very clear that she's kind of lost her fight. She claims, I don't know if I believe this, but she claims that she doesn't want to fight. She's learned from Arthur to kind of put value on Arthur and maybe they won't kill him. But it also feels very much of like she's lost her fight because she's lost her sister. Uh, once again, no rock music, like a, another like poppy song plays. And as the fight is happening, Arthur is able to grab the stick shift that has the blade on it that we saw in episode one, cuts himself free, and Dami kills like everyone. <laughs> She's covered in blood. She saves Cliff and they're going to peel out. Uh, they jump into their cars. Uh, as a gift to Cliff, Dami has kidnapped the dude bro from the man cage so that Cliff could kill him. Uh, which he does in the back seat rather than feeding it to the car. Which I guess if, the, if you have a Prius, 
You, maybe you're not as worried about blood gas as, as the other competitors. And Grace is basically in a fugue state. She's like completely checked out. She doesn't want to do this anymore. And that's going to lead us to episode seven. And this is a great place to end the, the podcast, to end part two. Uh, because episode seven is the worst episode of Blood Drive. It is also my favorite episode of Blood Drive. This, I can't, I couldn't wait to talk about this episode. So let's jump in because this is some amazing stuff right here. We see the outline of Slink as the man in white is talking to him, explaining that the, what the Blood Drive really is is a test of the blood engine. They're trying to work out all the kinks of the blood engine. Kinks, ah, uh, of the blood engine. Uh, and says, what you will be in charge of is the greatest human sacrifice in history. You will be the high priestess of heart. No, the high priest. The high priest of heart. Priestess would be a lady. The high priest of heart. And the camera turns around, and it is not Slink. Rather, dressed as Slink is the gentleman. This is the gentleman's agreement. And the gentleman is now in charge of the blood drive. Intro plays, and then we get a flashback to Christopher and Arthur working together as cops. And they're at the Wawa Burgers? W-A-H-W-A-H. And this is years before Wawa, my favorite store, my favorite place to eat, sold burgers. So this is uh, Blood Drive predicting the future. And Christopher is in love with the girl who works at Wawa Burgers. And he's trying to figure out what to order to show that he loves her. And Christopher's like... Give us a second at the, the speaker window and turns and says, what do you like about her? And Christopher goes on this long speech about how wonderful this girl is and doesn't realize Arthur's finger's still on the button. So she hears all of this. And he just turns and says, he'll have what I'm having. And Christopher's all upset. And when they get the food, she has written her phone number on the soda. Which is very strange because the idea that Christopher had a love interest before Aki is hurtful to what the story being told is here. Because it seems to me the, the story of Aki and Christopher is Aki was meant to brainwash Christopher into becoming a heart employee. But always because Aki saw something in Christopher, which she shouldn't do because she's a robot. And Aki's doing all these horrible things to Christopher, yet Christopher does feel some sort of affection to Aki. So it's basically, this should be an impossible love story, and yet it is developing. To then introduce this new woman is a bit confusing. Perhaps it is trying to show that Christopher is a romantic. But I just, I, I, I'm not, I don't approve of this. Don't approve. Uh, we cut back to Grace 
who is sad and drunk. Uh, she asks the tattooed man where uh, Slink is. And he responds, Slink's not here. And then she looks over and sees someone who looks like Slink. And she goes two for lying and kicks him in the crotch twice. Uh, but goes over and finds the gentleman in charge. The gentleman is now in charge of the race. And is told that we should be heading to the finish line. The last three racers are approaching. And of course, if you come in last at the blood drive, your heads explode. The gentleman decides, you know what? They're all way too late. And he kills all three of them, which is against the rules. Uh, Grace brings this up and the gentleman says, I can do whatever I want. And he goes to kill Grace and finds that you can't kill someone within the walls of the mayhem party. So once you cross that finish line, you're safe. This, of course, greatly upsets the gentleman. We cut to Arthur, who is cutting his arm and just trying to give some blood to the car, which is a great moment that it's surprising we haven't seen something like this before, where it's like, I don't have anyone to kill right now. But we got to keep going, so here's some of my blood. I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, Grace comes in, and Arthur explains, like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I want out, and I want to take down Hart, and I can't do that if I'm in this race. Grace says, I'll come with, because I don't have anything to race for anymore, because my sister is dead. We cut to this great monologue from Slink who's explained what the scar is. The scar is, of course, this huge, like, crater in the center of America that has resulted of uh, all the fracking that America has done in its search for fuel and explains that basically the scar is the abyss. When you look deep into it, you see horrors that you would not believe. And then the lights change, and Slink is a janitor, and he's in the break room. So, because they couldn't kill him, they have to keep him on the payroll in some way. He's now just a janitor. He's lost everything, his hair looks bad, and he's quite upset. Uh, Slink is actually talking to uh, another higher up, and basically he's trying to pitch this idea of doing a show about the Scar, because it's his life's work, and she doesn't care less. She couldn't care less. She just likes that he's a janitor and is making fun of him. And he says something along the lines of, you will respect me or I will be cleaning your guts off the floor. And she went, oh, so you'll still be a janitor, which is a great joke. He doesn't have the intimidation factor anymore. She kind of rolls her eyes and says, put the race on. And now the race is on television. They just turn on the TV and there it is, the race. And... Slink sees the gentleman in charge and then goes, What is this? A spin-off? A crossover episode? What is this? A crossover episode? Thanks, Mr. Peanut Butter. So now Slink knows that the gentleman is in charge of his race, and he is furious by this. And just then, Chris and Aki show up, and he thinks, Maybe I can use them to get what I want. Meanwhile, the gentleman is having like a fancy dinner 
Uh, he doesn't care. He's killing people. He's uh, not obeying the rules. Arthur and Grace don't want any part of this anymore, so he ju they just want the bombs out of their head. So they ask the scholar, and the scholar explains that he's just not smart enough to get the bombs out. It only way to save them is to tinker with the remote control box. So they send Arthur in to have sex with the gentleman while Grace steals the, uh, the box. And uh, Arthur, not very good at this, but he's trying his best. While that seduction is going on, Slink is trying to offer a deal to Christopher and his plug-and-play girlfriend, <laughs> which the fact that he used the term plug-and-play, uh, which is the actual term for uh, erotic literature written about Transformers, hilarious. Uh, he offers uh, a deal to Christopher basically saying, I can let you hack into Aki's eyes and you can see what she's doing. If you do something for me, all you need to do is open a door for me because he's a security guard. Uh, Slink leads him to a door that says, do not open under penalty of death. <laughs> and Slink's like, that's the one. Christopher asks what's behind the door. He says, one of Hart's mistakes. The door is open and Slink immediately runs away and recommends Chris does the same. But not before telling uh, Christopher that he needs to turn to channel 694, which will link to Aki. Grace is able to steal the bag that the remote control is in, opens it up, and finds that it is empty. The tattooed man saw all of this coming and just hands it over to the gentleman, and the gentleman electrocutes them both. While he may not be able to make their heads explode, he can still kill them. But then, just then, whatever was behind that door enters through a blood gate and is now wreaking havoc on the blood drive and the mayhem party. It is a huge ogre. And it's like, we've had nothing but practical effects this whole time. You know, blood spatter and all this fantastical practical effects. To now have a CGI ogre feels so out of place and it's frustrating. So... They have to come to a deal to deal with this ogre. So Grace and Arthur are told, if you get rid of that ogre, I will let you live. Meanwhile, the gentleman goes to the scholar and it's like, I need you to fix this so I can kill them whenever I want. And the scholar's not big on it. And <laughs> the gentleman's like, look at you, you're terrible. I'm the only one that will show you any compassion because I see something in your mind. So you will either do what I say or you can be alone. Uh, we cut back now to Christopher right before the big ogre battle starts. Uh, and he's flipping through his eye channels. He goes to 691, which is the slinks from the earlier episode, which is funny. And then Aki. And through Aki's eyes... 
we see that she's currently having sex with the police chief from Contra Crime from the beginning. And <laughs> this is a really dumb joke, but I appreciate it. The police chief goes, oh, God. And Aki says, there is no God. And she goes, all right, hail Satan then. Uh, and basically explains that she doesn't care about what's happening to Christopher. She knows about it. She, you know, she enjoys the fact that he's in pain, doesn't want to bring down heart, and uh, just likes to use Aki as a sex toy, basically. Uh, we cut back to the ogre fight. Whew. This, let me just tell you about this scene, all right? So we learn that the same doctor that created the Dionysus serum created this ogre by mistake, by mixing Smacks and Red Rapture together and then spilling it on them. Uh, meanwhile, Slink is trying to get his job back, so he goes and runs to uh, the man in white, who is, of course, freaking out about the ogre. And what do you know? Slink has footage of how the ogre got out, but it only shows Christopher. So he is completely innocent in this. Christopher's the problem, and he's willing to clean up this mess. You know, as long as he gets control back. Meanwhile, at the the actual fight that's going on, Grace and Arthur are trying to fight this ogre, and they can't seem to do any damage. Arthur hits like a drop kick, like both feet right to the stomach, and the ogre just poops itself. It's just gross, and it poops itself. That's just the thing that happens. <laughs> they are desperately trying to fight this thing, and they're battling back and forth. We cut back to Christopher. Uh, Christopher confronts the cop, the, the sergeant, and was like, I can't believe you're in uh, Hart's pocket. And the sergeant says, we are not cops. We always worked for Hart. I did this to you. I'm glad I did this to you. You were poking your nose where it doesn't belong and you needed to be put in line. And Christopher just kills her. Like, this is the first time we've seen Christopher just kill somebody. And Aki's like, why did you do that? And he says, for love. This emotional moment is then undercut by the scholar leaving the remote control for the gentleman to use, stealing a car, and just running into the ogre. Grace then grabs, like, sriracha and is just spraying it into the eyes of uh, the ogre. It's so stupid. It's, it's, we're in complete cartoon territory here. And Slink appears out of nowhere and just decapitates it. It's just like, yeah, this is over. Uh, <laughs> this is, I, I'm in charge again. The gentleman's like, you can't do that. And Slink says, you can't out-dandy me, which is an amazing line. And explains that he is the guiding hand for everything that has happened here. You think that Grace would just enter this? No. I had to drug her sister and have her committed to trick Grace into performing into this race. 
everyone here's fate has been sealed by me. And the gentleman says, no, I'm in charge now. And if I can't be in charge of this race, no one can. He grabs the the walkie I keep saying walkie-talkie. The remote control sets it to kill all racers, hits the button, and only his head explodes. <laughs> the scholar then just walks up to it and grabs it, hands it back over to Slink, and then they, like, fist pound. <laughs> They're like, nice, awesome, gentleman's dead, cool. Grace, though, has now heard that this is all Slink's doing. So she's going to kill Slink. So as she's trying to kill Slink, Slink starts shocking her. And she's trying to fight through the pain so she can get her revenge. And Slink goes, ugh, so dull. So two episodes ago. Once again, he's able to realize that he is in a television show. He explains that there's no escape for Grace, so be a good girl, get back to the race. So even though they are trapped, Grace and Arthur have no choice but to continue on with the race. But the scholar is now lost without the gentleman, so the scholar jumps into their car, and they leave as a team. And that's how episode seven ends. And now let me once again explain why this is the worst episode here. It's stupid. <laughs> it's really, really dumb. There's a lot of bad things in this episode. But let's break down exactly what happened. Slink was in charge of this race. Then, through corporate interference, the artist was removed from control and a corporate figurehead was placed there. Immediately, the show goes to hell without its creator to the point that instead of having this nuanced writing and clever takes on the form, they just have a literal shitty CGI ogre. It lacks depth. It makes no sense. It's just a rehash of other ideas because it was created using Red Rapture and Smacks. There's not an original thought behind it. It's all just reused ideas from previous episodes. This episode sucks on purpose. It is meant to show what happens to a television show when its creative heart, Slink, is removed and replaced with corporate notes. You can't take a show like Blood Drive and make it corporate and make it fit the mold of what a good television show is supposed to look like. It has to be controlled by the artist, the one that has the vision, or else it'll be Nothing but a terrible rehash. The idea that in episode 7, this show could be so bold as to create a purposely bad episode, one that's going to piss you off and people might miss the symbolism behind that, is incredible. This is everything I love about this show. 
It's not <laughs> guy gets fed to car, which I do enjoy. Don't get me wrong. It's this. It's the commentary on what corporate interference can do to a television show. And it understands that this show is not for everybody. It never was supposed to be. It's for a very distinct group of people. And to those that group of people, this is the best show. And the only way to get that message across is to show in practice what happens when you interfere with a good thing. This is spectacular. Look, my only regret is I can't share this with Laura because Laura can't sit through all the gore. But this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. To be able to get your ideas across in such a wonderful way, it's just... It's masterfully done. I'm beyond impressed with this show. And the idea that you can have all this great symbolism symbolism through a shitty CGI ogre is so good. I appreciate this show so much. And if you're listening to this and this is how you're choosing to experience this show is through me explaining it. Uh, thank you for coming on this journey with me. I highly recommend you watch it. I understand if it's too much for you. So I really appreciate you taking the time to appreciate this show with me, knowing that you're not able to watch it, but you can still take this ride with me and see its value. Uh, I really love Blood Drive, and we still got a ways to go down this bloody, bloody road. So thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Stay Doomed. Uh, next week, as uh, our, our listeners and our patrons have explained in the Q&A, or not the Q&A, the questionnaire that we sent out, whenever we do a longer piece, uh, they prefer it when we break it up with other stuff. So we'll be back. Laura will be back next week, uh, and we'll do a little pilot, and then we'll jump back into Blood Drive. So... If you're one of those people that did not enjoy Blood Drive and did not come along the way with us, then you're not hearing this, but <laughs> we are going to have a little pilot. We haven't chosen which one we're doing yet, but we're going to do a little pilot episode, and then we'll come back for more Blood Drive. If you want to talk to us or if you have ideas for cocktails or shows you'd like to see, be sure to reach out to us at the Show at gmail.com. Also, you can reach us on Patreon. Become one of our wonderful grave diggers in our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash plus two comedy. You join our Discord. You get to vote on future episodes. It's, it's fun. It's fun on the bun. And if you want to talk to me about the brilliant, brilliant, nuanced writing of Blood Drive, I'm at plus two comedy on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time... Stay doomed.